That video was taken by me on May 22nd, 2019. I found myself at the border of a crisis in the world. I was in a country, and if you saw there, I was escorted by police. Our bus was escorted by the national police of this country from our hotel to this border. It's weird when you're in a bus and you're driving and they're shutting down highways and you are speeding through cities to this area. What was going on is one of the largest humanitarian crises that's currently happening in our world. Uh, this place where I was headed is a singular crossing of a bridge, and underneath the bridge is a river. And uh, at this time, 30,000 people were crossing this bridge per day, fleeing from persecution, fleeing from a severe poverty, severe poverty. And so we found ourselves on this bus, and while we were there, all those people that you saw standing there were people coming from that country or people taking advantage of coming people, people coming from that country. And so we were on our way to uh, this border bridge, and a national police officer gets on our bus. It's me and about 30 other people, and says, hey, guys, I just, uh, when we get ready to get to this crossing, there's some rules that you're going to need to follow, and there's some things that you need to understand. First of all, I'm going to ask everyone to keep their cell phone in the bus because the police on the other side across the bridge, um, if they see you taking pictures, you could really actually start an international incident. And so they will come over, and they will take your camera or whatever and smash it. So the only people allowed to take pictures are press. We had two people with press badges in our group. We had leaders from different humanitarian organizations from around the world with us on this trip. <clears throat> and so we go and they said, hey, jo so just so when you get here, there's a few things that you're going to see. Okay, first of all, when we get towards the bridge, there's a river underneath. And you're going to notice there's a lot of people underneath the bridge. On one side, you'll see these guys that look like military kind of. On the opposite side of the river, they're not military. Those are cartels. Those cartels are controlling illegal crossings of people right now, and they're extorting people to cross. Uh, on our side, you'll see the national police. By the way, we just wanted to let you know that um, if you hear gunfire, you need to get on the ground immediately. Um, you'll notice some of the barricades have bullet dings in them because last week our national police got into a gunfight with the cartels because there were moms with babies trying to cross the river and they didn't have money to pay so they all fled and the cartels started to go in and drag the moms back so our national police opened fire, killed a couple cartel members and we brought all the moms and babies over. Okay, all right. Also, when you get up here, you're going to see a burned um, kind of like storage unit that you would, you would send, you know, uh, one of those big containers they put on ships because we were trying to bring relief into the country last week and the cartels set it on fire in the middle of the bridge. So you guys are going to just need to stay close and you need to listen to any instructions that we give you right away. And as I was sitting there on that bus, I thought, what am I doing here? Like, man, I am walking into something that's like out of a movie. Like this is surreal. And I, I man, I don't know what's going to happen. And as, as soon as I started to think about the unknown of the situation I was walking into, because I, I didn't quite have a clear picture about what was going to happen, I started to get really afraid. 
I started to get so worried and I knew that I was called to be there. I knew that we were called to be there to help people. But man, I didn't quite have a clear vision of God's will in that moment. And I started to get freaked out, right? I mean, you have national police officers. We've been escorted by police. We have escorts and security guards. There's neighborhoods that we couldn't walk in into parts of the city that we were in because cartels were in there. And the biggest way that cartels make money is they kidnap people and then they extort your family for money. They're not going to kill you. They just want your money. And I thought, man, like, God, this is called, you've called me to this place to be here. But, man, this is a little scarier than I thought it was going to be. And so when fear begins to kind of enter our hearts and our minds when it comes to the will of God for our life, a lot of these thoughts begin to enter our hearts, right? And fear will begin to take over when you don't see the picture of what God is doing clearly. And I thought, I can't be here. I'm definitely not enough for this situation. Like I am not enough and who I am and who I am as a person, I am not enough to be here. And then that thought led to this one. I thought, man, what am I going to have to give up to be here? Like I've certainly given up my security. I've certainly given up my bed and my, my ability to be safe. And it definitely gave away my worldview. Right, Because when you see things like that, it changes the way that you see the world and what's going on and the call that we have on our lives. And then I thought, man, I don't know how to get here. And if something goes wrong, I don't know how to get out of here. Like I don't know the way. And I don't know about you, but like when you get lost and you don't know the way, it's scary. And so I was like, man, I don't know this. And then it seemed like in that traffic, as we were getting closer, I was walking into a situation. I thought, man, how long am I going to be here? Like how, like, how long is this going to be, and how long am I going to be in this kind of danger? You know what's crazy is after we were at that moment, we went and ate at a nice restaurant in the town and debriefed about what was going on. But man, as fear entered my, my mind and my heart, because I just didn't quite understand what God was doing, it seemed like it was taking forever. And I thought, man, can we just get through this? Can we just be okay? And then, I, although I was on a bus with all of these people, I felt so alone. Right, that fear of being alone. When you don't quite know what's going to happen, you don't, know, you don't have enough, you, you don't have what you need, you, you're not enough, you don't know the way, and all these things. And man, I just felt alone. I felt scared. And then I thought about this. Man, I'm walking into a situation where some people in that situation are going to hate me for the reason that I'm here. I'm here to help people, and they don't want me to help people. They like that people are hurting and not okay. And so now I have a people on the other side. When I show up, they're going to be like, look, we hate you. We don't want you here. We don't want you talking about this. We don't want you to deal with anything. And then finally I thought, I just really don't have what I need to be here. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the power. I don't have the money. I don't have the resource. I don't have what I need. And fear really began to overtake me in that moment. Because, man, I just didn't see what God's will was and how he was working. And then we got there. And I walked out and no one shot me. No one shot us. And we met professors and people who were crossing the border. And this one professor, I was like, man, what, what are you doing? He's like, I used to be a university professor in my other country, but my papaya tree ran out of papaya, so I don't have any food anymore. And he's like, we already ate a dog. Like, I don't know what else I can do. My family's starving to death. 
So he came into this country to get some food and some money, and he's going to walk for two days back home. I thought, man, that's why I'm here. We're here to bring awareness. We're here to bring resources. We're here to bring people to help out this situation. By the way, that situation is still going on. And so what happened for so many of us is like I was so scared because I didn't see God's will in the future clearly and fear began to reign. And I almost like hit the eject button because I just didn't know what was going to happen. And those, those thoughts began to enter my mind. And does anyone else in here struggle with that? Does anyone else in here struggle with the fact that like you don't quite see God's will in HD so you're scared? Like, you don't see exactly what's going to happen and then all of these fears start playing in your mind? Because let me just tell you, when you're really afraid, you're easily influenced. And so these fears begin to play in your mind and especially when it comes to God's will for your life. Like some of us like have promises and beliefs and things that we've been called to in this life. But man, because we don't see it quite clearly, we're getting scared. I know that some of us like here, like last week when we talked about like, hey, we're building for the future. And you're a part of that future. You said, yeah. And then you walked out and you go, man, I'm not enough. I can't do that. Oh, man, I'm all alone. Oh, man, I don't have what I need. Oh, man. All of these fears begin to enter your heart and your mind. And here's what I really believe is at the root cause of our fears. It's this. Fear is less about the situation and more about a lack of belief that the goodness of God isn't there. It's not like, man, this is so scary and all of these things. Because, man, if you read the Bible, there's a lot of scary things that happen. But fear that takes us and moves us away and keeps us hunkered down and all of those things... We focus too much on the causes, like, like these things that are like, well, I'm scared of this situation, that situation, and all these things, when the reality is, is it's a lack of belief that the goodness of God will be there. And so today, what I want to help us do is look at how faith and trust and belief in the goodness of God in the future can erase fear. And you can walk into God's will for your life and, yes, have some unanswered questions and some things that aren't quite there. But you can walk in in faith and trust and not be ruled by fear because you really believe the goodness of God is there. And so we're going to study this famous psalm that probably a lot of us in the room know. And if you don't, it will probably become one of your favorite psalms today. Psalm 23. It's about the good shepherd. Right? It's this story, this psalm about this guy, David, who is struggling. He has had a vision and a call in his life that he's going to be a king and the king of Israel. The problem is that the present king is hunting him. And so he doesn't quite see the future very well. But what I think we see in part of this psalm is the fears that you and I face so many times when we're not sure about how God's will is going to be because we have a blurry image of what's going to happen. And how David, through the Holy Spirit and the inspiration of God, say, hey, man, I'm going to answer all those fears. Because my goodness is there. And I'm going to help you in this moment. And so I think there's really seven fears that you and I deal with when it comes to following the will of God. And I want to help us get through this. And here's what else I want you to hear. This isn't a rebuke like you of little faith. Right? Because that's what we do in church and it's kind of wrong. I'm scared. Oh, well, you shouldn't be. Thanks. I feel better now. No. It's the truth that sets us free. It's the word of God and the truth applied to our situation that sets us free. So this isn't a place of judgment because I've been there. 
I'm still there. We're doing some big things here that we're getting ready to announce to you guys. And man, there's things like, I'm not enough. We don't have what we need. I don't know the path. All of these things. But man, I got to choose to submit to the word of God, the call of God, and believe that his provision is going to be there and his goodness is already in that situation. You guys ready? All right. First fear. This is one that we deal with a lot in life. I am not enough. I'm not enough. I can't do these things. But if you're here last week, you learned that if you want to understand God's will for your life and call in your life, part of that call, it's, it's going to be bigger than you. It's going to be bigger than you can accomplish on your own. And so here's what the feeling of I'm not enough can do for you. It can lead you to despair or it can lead you to rely. Right? Because if God's calling you to something that's bigger than who you are, you can get into despair, I'm not enough. Or you can go, I'm not enough, but he is. And it's his call on my life, and he works through me in my life. And so I'm going to say yes, because the truth is, I'm not enough. And that's okay. Can we all get okay with that? Can we get okay that you don't have to be perfect? You don't have to have all the resources. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all of these things because the truth is it's okay that you're not enough because he is. Psalm 23 verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He doesn't say, man, In me, I'm awesome. I don't need a shepherd. What it says is the Lord is the one guiding, leading, and taking me into this future. And so because the Lord is leading me, because he's the one doing it, I lack nothing. I'm not enough to do this on my own. But I lack nothing because the goodness of the Lord is before me and with me and pursuing me. Here's another kind of New Testament idea of this. This is Paul talking about not being enough. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 to 11. But he said to me, this is the Lord speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. What is grace? That's a word that we use in church all the time, but what does it mean? Sounds good. Sounds nice. One of my kids' middle name is Grace. But grace is receiving what you have not earned. Mercy is you don't get what you deserve. Grace is receiving what you do not. Sounds like I'm not enough. Oh, so my grace meets you and gives you exactly what you need, and you didn't have to earn it. It's a gift. That's exactly what grace is. And here's what God says to Paul when he's feeling like, man, I'm not enough. I've messed up too much. My life isn't good enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not all these things. And the Lord says, good. For my grace, my gift to you, which is undeserved, but I give it to you anyway, is more than sufficient. It's more than enough for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Oh, where I'm not enough in weakness. That's what weakness is. I'm not enough. And God says, well, good, because my power is shown perfect in human weakness. And this is what he says. He says, therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weakness. How many of us are boasting, man, I'm not enough. I'm not enough, but God is. And his grace has met me where I am in this life. And he says this, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weakness. How many of us are going, man, I'm happy I'm not enough. Because let me just tell you something. If you were enough in every situation of your life, you wouldn't need God. 
I mean, that's the reality, but the, the truth is that we need this relationship with God and we grow in our relationship with God through our weakness. Through our weaknesses, we're drawn near to him because his grace is sufficient and more than enough. And that's why he says, I delight in my weakness and in insults and in hardship and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here's what he means. When I'm not enough, he is. And when he's enough and he enters the situation, I'm more than enough in him. And that's exactly what grace is in this life. And so that fear of I am not enough can actually turn into a triumph when you go, but he is. See, a lot of us just stop, like, I'm not enough. Not enough. I don't have enough. The next part of the equation is, I'm not enough, but he is. And you almost say that I'm not enough so fast because you got to get to the he is, right? And that removes fear because when you believe that the goodness of God is there, when your ability isn't, that's goodness waiting for you in that moment. And so let me ask you, like, where are you being called right now in your life that you're not enough to do? And you say, man, I can't do this. And it's like, that's the best news I've heard you say all day because he is and his goodness is waiting for you. And so can we get over the fear of not being enough and just walk in to what God has for us and we believe that he is and he covers the gap. What about this? The second fear is this, is what I, what I felt. I'm gonna have to give some things up. Everyone in here is so scared to do the will of God because you're gonna have to give up all these things. Could I just encourage you that maybe you've gotta let go of the world's good to get God's best. Let me say that again. You've gotta let go of the world's good to get God's best, right? Because like if you white knuckle this life and you've got all this stuff in your hand and you're, you're like, you're gripping life like this. And it's like, man, I've got some good things in here. I've got some really good things. And so, man, I can't let it go. And it's like true. No one can take anything out of your hand right now. But you know what else can't happen? You can't put anything in your hand right now. And some of us are holding on to the good things of this world. And we can't receive the best that God has for us because we can't let go of the good. And good is really the enemy of best. There's a book by uh, Good is the Enemy of Great. Some of y'all have read that. But here's the deal. How do you receive God's best? You're going to have to let some things go in order to receive right? Some of us, we're going to have to let go of the good vision of our life to receive the best vision of our life. And yes, you're doing some good things now in your life. Like, and I think at church, we always say like, we, we got the worst versus God's best. And it's like, yeah, but I'm in a pretty good spot. I think the truth is a lot of us are letting go of what is good to receive what is best. Psalm 2, 23, 2 to 3, it says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Here's the reality. This David had to let go of his kingdom, his house, and all of these things in order to get by the still waters. In order to get to the green pastures, he had to let go of his comforts to allow God to lead him. Because here's what we understand later in the psalm. In order to get to green pastures and still waters, he had to walk through hell the valley of the shadow of death. But he had to let go of his comfort and all the things that he had at home in order to be able to receive God's best over here. 
He could have just stayed home. David, had, I'm sure, had a nice house. He killed a giant. People like giant killers. Right? It's like, man, you're awesome. You killed a giant. I'll be your friend. Yeah, here's a cheap house. He's like, cool, whatever. Right? What happens to so many of us in this moment is the fear is this, that when I let go of the world's good, that the goodness of God will not come in. And so fear is keeping you from what is best. I was talking to a young man today. And he was like, I'm scared to ask. He needs this thing. And he was like, I'm scared to ask because I'm, I'm scared to get a no. And I said, so what you're not, you're not willing to let go of your fear of a no to receive a yes. You've got to let go. You've got to let it go to allow God to do something better. And so some of us are like, man, I really want those, those green pastures. I want those still waters. I want that soul refreshing. And it's like, so, so let go of the world's good so you can receive God's best. Do you believe his goodness is leading you to the greatness of life? And then that fear quickly leads into I'm not enough and I'm not going, I'm going to have to give some things up. Can I just say this? I think someone in here needs to say this. It wasn't in my notes, but I'm going to say this. Some of you need to let go of that good relationship. Come on, Cody. Some of you need to let go of that good relationship because God's got something better. You're just afraid that God's goodness isn't preparing a person for you. Some of you need to let go of that job and step out in faith to do that thing that God's called you to do. And the reason you're not doing it is a good gig. But the greatness in the call of God is on you in your life. You've got to let go of the good to get to the great. Some of us in here, our hurt becomes our friend because we're familiar with it. So it's good to us. That's weird, I know, but we do it. And what God is saying to you is, you got to let go of that hurt to receive the greatness and the goodness I have for you. You're just going to have to believe that what I have for you is better. I don't know who that's for, but that's a little extra. It's good. But then this happens to so many of us. It's like, I'm not enough. I'm going to have to give some things up. And man, I can't see the picture of God's will in my life clearly, so I don't know the way. I don't, I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to start that organization. I don't know how to start that ministry. I mean, I don't know how to, 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 to start dating in a healthy way. I don't know how to have that conversation. I don't, I don't know the way. And so, because I don't know the way, I'm going to just stop right here. I'm just going to wait. And for some of us, the worst thing about then going backwards sometimes is just sitting where you are. You just got to, like, look, if you believe in the goodness of God and you believe that he is a shepherd, which this whole psalm is about, he's going to lead you where you need to go. I don't know many shepherds who go like, hey, guys, um, bring it in, sheep. Come on in. Hey, guys, here's where we're heading. I'm going to just paint this picture for you. Just want to let you guys know where we're going, okay? So you have a clear picture of what it looks like, guys. And then just bath to me if you get it, okay? Can I get an amen? And they were all like, Mah! right? Like, and he's like, all right, let's go, guys. No, the sheep go, he's the good shepherd. I'll follow him because he leads me to good places. And some of us need to remember that God's led you to incredible places in the past. Why are you not believing him for the future? Right? Like he's got better. If you're not dead, God's got better. Can I just be honest with you? If you're not dead, God's got better. 
And so we need to walk in faith and do all of these things and, and, and to believe that God is the one who guides. Psalm 23, the second part of verse 3. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. He is a good shepherd and his goodness is that, yes, he doesn't always reveal the whole path, but he is a light unto my feet. He lights up my path and I walk in the right path because God guides it. And some of us are like, man, but I need to know the whole journey. And God's like, you're not ready for the whole journey. All I need you to do is take the next right step. And the fear of not knowing the way is stopping us from walking in the goodness of God in our lives because we don't believe that his goodness is in the journey. We said it last week. Some of us in here have faith for the vision of our life, but we don't have faith for the journey of it. you got to believe that the goodness of God is going to meet you in the process of it. It's going to meet you as you're walking along and moving forward in this life. Listen to what Hebrews says. Hebrews 11 verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Look at, this is so important. Even though he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know where he was going, so he certainly didn't know the way. But in faith, Abraham said, your goodness is there. Your goodness is here. And so I'm going to obey. And I'm going to trust, and I'm not going to allow fear to stop me from moving forward in this life. Look at what it says. By faith, he, he, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Look, there's a reality where you've got to have faith over fear. That doesn't mean be unwise, okay? But what it means is God's going to call you to things that are bigger than you, and you're not going to be sure how to get there. And because you don't know how to get there, a lot of us shut down the journey. It's like some of you don't know how to get to your healing. Some of you don't know how to get to that job. Some of you don't know how to get to that call. Some of you don't know how to get prepared to serve here. Like you don't know. And so you're like, I'm done. I can't do this until it's all laid out. But that takes no faith. Like not many of us like in our house need faith to get from the kitchen to the bedroom. It's not faith for us. We know the way. But man, if I said, hey, you're going to need to get to Savannah, but you can't use a map. And you can't use I-75. <laughs> you're like, I ain't going on that journey. But you know what? Along the way, you ask for directions. Along the way, you meet guides. Along the way, you meet people that go, hey, oh, yeah, I can't get you to Savannah, but I can get you to Wachula. And when you get to Wachula, you can ask somebody there, and they might be able to get you to Gainesville. And when I get to Gainesville, it's like, well, where do I? This isn't, a, this isn't Savannah. It's like, oh, no, but I can get you to Jacksonville. You get to Jacksonville. It's like, well, so what do I do now? Oh, Savannah, I was just there. Let me show you how to get there. And God's goodness is there providing a path unto your feet. But it's going to take faith to walk out into this. Look at what Dallas Willard writes about this. Many people seek to hear God solely as a device for securing their own safety, comfort, and righteousness. But that is not how we please God. We please God and walk in faith. 
And so some of you don't know the way. And I'm like, good. So this is going to have to exercise your faith and believe and trust that the goodness of God is going to lead you on the path. But not only that, not only do we not know the way so we get freaked out, how many of us, it's just taking too long. So you're getting scared. You're freaked out, right? Because, man, I thought I'd be done with this. I thought that this relationship would be healed. I thought I'd be further along than now. I thought my bank account would have more zeros in it by now. I thought that I'd have that debt paid off by now. I thought I'd have this kind of car by now. I thought I'd be married by now. I thought I'd have kids by now. It's just taking too long, so maybe God isn't here. A couple years ago, Kelsey and I were in an ultrasound right around 20 weeks. Scout, our third, had more ultrasounds than any of our kids combined. Okay? All the kids combined. We have four kids. Scout had more. Okay? And I remember this day where we're in this ultrasound. We're getting uh, the, I think we're trying to find out the gender. And... The ultrasound, you know, they're chatty Cathy's, ultrasound texts, like they talk all, hey, hey, well, oh, what you want? Do you have a crib picked out? How's this? How's that? Right, and they're just talking to you, and I'm like, let's just get to business, right? Like, like what's going on in here? And she's talking, 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 ha right? And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And then she stops talking. She goes, hey, you know what? I actually just need to go grab the doctor real quick. You just wait here for just a second, honey. We were in Virginia, so they talk like that. Hey, honey. Just wait here for just a second, honey, right? And you're like, okay. And she was gone way too long. And I thought, that's longer than a bathroom break. I wonder where the doctor is. I wonder what's happening. Did I do something wrong? Is there something wrong? What's going on? And I think when we start to wait too long in our life, those questions enter our mind like something's wrong and I don't know what it is so is it me is it something I did is it is this ever gonna happen it's never gonna happen I'm forgotten maybe they just forgot about me or maybe they forgot about me because they don't want to have a conversation with me because something's going on Now, Scout did have some stuff, and we actually ended up going to UVA and all of these things. Scout's great. You can go meet her. She's awesome. But let me just tell you something. Sometimes in life, the best things take time. And some of us, because we're in a season of waiting, because God is building, we're freaked out. But no one in here wants to move into a house that they built in three days. Right? You gotta wait six months. You gotta wait a year. You gotta wait whatever. So it's done right. Because I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to be in Hurricane Ian in a house built in three days. Right? I want to be in the house that someone built for three years. In fact, we even know this. Like, anyone in here eat elderberries? Some of y'all I know when you get sick, you're like, elderberry juice. Right? And you're like, okay, whatever. All right, here's the deal. Did you know that if you eat elderberries before they're ripe, they'll kill you? Everyone's like, what? Some of you are like, is this elderberry juice, is it ripe though? I mean, you got to eat a lot of it, okay? But here's the deal. If you eat elderberries before they are ripe, they are poisonous to you. And so you got to wait for them to become ripe in order to receive the blessing. Because every gift in the wrong season is a curse. So we got to wait. But man, in the waiting, 
is when we've got to have the faith to believe that the goodness of God is in those situations. And he's building it and designing it and creating it and making sure that all things are where they need to be so we can walk into the blessing. No one wants to walk into a curse. And so we've got to believe that God is going to do something better. Psalm 23, verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Other versions say this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How many of us know when you're walking in the valley of the shadow of death, any time is too long? Any time you're walking through hell in this life, it's too long. It's too long. Man, this is too long. And how many of us are maybe in the like the shadow of death right now in our life. And we're like, God, this is taking too long. What are you doing? Did you forget me? Like, why here? Because it is in the valley of the shadow of death that you learn to grab the hand of God and allow God to lead you. And there are things that he can teach you in the shadow of death that cannot be taught in the light of day. And so, here's the deal. I had a mentor who said this to me. When you feel the pressing of God, the valley of the shadow of death, do not run, for the pressing will follow you, for it has a work to accomplish in you. And so allow the pressing. And the pressing and believing in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death is not, oh man, this is going to end one day. It's this. His goodness is here with me right now. I heard this this morning. I think God brought it up to me. This morning, it was sent to me in a DM on Instagram, and this guy said, um, Every, all of us make our life about the promised land, but when Abraham heard about the promised land, he said, unless you go, I don't want to go to the promised land. I want your presence. I don't need the promised land. I need you. I need your presence. And maybe for some of us, it's not getting out of the valley of the shadow of death yet. It's learning to seek and feel and experience God's goodness in the middle of it. And so allow that to seep in your life and allow it. And it's going to take too long, but good things take a while to build. And when you start to feel like things are taking too long and you're not enough and you're going to have to give up all of these things and you're scared and you're freaking out, then you have this feeling. I'm all alone. I'm all alone. Like I, I, I'm certainly here and this is taking too long. I'm by myself. God has abandoned me. Psalm 23, verse 4, the second part of verse 4, I will fear no evil for what? You are with me. I'm not alone. I can be in the middle of the darkest moments of my life and not be alone for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You know what's the rod and the staff, the difference is? The rod was used to fight away enemies. The staff was used to lead the sheep. So what is he saying? You're guiding me and you're protecting me. And all those, those things can hurt me sometimes in the midst of my storm, they are a comfort for me. Right, because no one wants a staff hitting you on the rear when you're going in the wrong direction. No one wants when you're going in the wrong direction, the rod of correction, right? But when you find yourself in a situation, walking in a place where things can devour you, all of a sudden the instruments of correction are now friends to fight off foes. And some of us need to believe and trust in the goodness of God that is in those things. God's call in our life is always accompanied by his provision. Always. 
always 100% accompanied by his provision. And his provision is mostly in almost all circumstances, his presence. That is the provision of God. The provision of God is, I am here. I'm right here in the midst of all of this. And so you are not alone. You'll never be alone. In fact, the Great Commission, the mission that God has put all of us on, Matthew 28, says this. Starting in verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you're like, all nations, hard places. This, what? I mean, some of us are afraid to tell our family about our faith, let alone strangers of a foreign land. And then it says this, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely, surely, like without a doubt, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You're not alone. When you walk in what I've called you to walk in, you're never alone because I am here. And you think, man, like, but I'm going to face some pretty hard circumstances in my life. And, and like, when I, when I feel alone and I feel all of these things, then people are going to hate me. I'm going to be hated I can't handle this. Psalm 23, verse 5, the first part. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here's what that means. It's not like you're eating dinner with your enemies. It's that your enemies are watching you eat dinner. The language there of the Hebrew is not like, hey, everyone, all my foes, come join me at the table. No, the imagery is one of a victory meal. It is one of this. The Lord has set a table for me to eat. You can sit down there and watch me enjoy. That's the language of what he's saying. Like, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff. They comfort me. And though I feel like everything is coming against me, you set a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And they watch me eat my victory meal because of what you have done for me. How many of us need to know, like, there is a time in your life if you walk towards the will of God where that porn addiction is going to sit there and watch you eat your victory meal? How many of us need to know that, like, all of that self-hatred in that talk is going to sit there one day and watch you eat your victory meal? How many of us need to believe that those broken relationships and all those people are going to sit there one day and watch you eat your victory meal? Because of what Jesus has done, because his goodness is in the middle of the storm. And you're not alone. And yeah, people may hate you, but he's bigger than the people who hate you. John chapter 15, verse 18 says this. If the world hates you, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, keep in mind that it hated me first. And you're like, well, that's comforting to know that we're in the same boat, but it's still hard. Well, you just got to keep reading. John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the midst of the world hating you, you may have peace. Why? In this world there will, you will have trouble. But take heart. Be encouraged. I have overcome the world. So it's already hated me, and I've already defeated it. And so, yes, the fear is people may hate you. But the belief is, is that God is bigger than that. This idea of us sitting in the midst 
of our hurt and our pain and God getting us through it and God winning the battles because his goodness is there. And then we get to sit at a table with him and look at our enemies and we eat a victory meal. Do you believe in the goodness of God that one day those things will sit because it's been overcome? You have to believe in the goodness of God that it's going to be there. You know, so many times in the Bible, when they eat meals, it's so important. Like the Passover meal, where the lamb is slaughtered for the sins of the nation. Like the meals that Jesus had with people, like the Last Supper, which was a victory meal, by the way. And you say, like, well, man, where, like, is there one more meal? Yeah. At the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus sits down with fish and bread before he ascends into heaven and sends the disciples out and has one last meal in the middle of it all, especially in the middle of Peter's defeat. He has a victory meal. And then finally, I think this is where it all comes down to, and this is the excuse that a lot of us use, or, or not excuse, this is the fear that a lot of us bow down to. I don't have what I need. I don't have what I need. Psalm 23.5, the second part of that verse says this. Psalm 23.5 be, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. While I'm eating my victory meal, I am anointed and I am blessed. And not to the point of just I'm being met, to the point that it overflows. Do you believe that? Like, you don't just have what you need. You have more than you need. There's an abundance of grace. There's abundance of of presence. There's an abundance of peace and you have everything that you need in him because he provides for those who are called. And every person in here has some part to play in the kingdom of God. Do you believe in the goodness of God? Do you believe that his presence is there? Do you believe in the peace that he has? Let me end the psalm here. Verse 6. It's only six verses. Surely, your what? Your goodness. Surely, your goodness. That word surely is one of complete confidence. Surely, your goodness, your goodness, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. That word will follow, it's weak language there that we translate it. It means to pursue with reckless abandon, direct, hard pursuit. And so do you believe that the goodness of God is pursuing you in your life? And that doesn't mean it's just behind you. It's running ahead of you. It is with you right now and it is before you as well that the goodness of God is not just this weak thing following you around. It is running after you. It is pursuing you so incredibly hard. For he is enough. And he is better than all of these things. God is pursuing you and his love and his goodness will follow you all the days of your life. And he says this, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He sees the vision clearly, does he not? It's actually not about being a king, it's about being a son. And it's about being a son who lives in the father's house for all the days of his life. Where the goodness of God resides. And so let me ask you, church, are you believing in the goodness of God? Are you believing that it is pursuing you with reckless abandon? 
that it is meeting your every need, that you are never alone for God is always present. That in him, you're more than enough, even when you don't feel like you're enough. That you don't know the way, but his presence and his goodness, which is pursuing you, is lighting the way. Do you believe in this moment? See, a lot of us here, can you turn on the house lights for me real quick? We forget one thing about the presence and the goodness of God. See, a lot of us don't see the picture too clearly yet. We don't see the end of the picture yet. We don't know what's going on. It's kind of like one of these things. Got to hit it hard. All right, so this is what it's like. Everyone smile, okay? All right, smile. This is an old school selfie. For all of you who don't know, young people, this is how we used to do it, okay? So here we go. Everyone smile, make a funny face. Something's happening. All right, here we go. For a lot of us, fear makes us look at the thing that's still in process and stop to believe that anything's there. See, a lot of us look at this picture and go, but I'm like, man, there's nothing there. I don't see the goodness of God. I don't see God's vision for my life fulfilled yet. And you're like, but, and I'm like, so I just, this is garbage. And you say, no, no, Blake, you don't understand. It's still processing. It's still in process. Like it's still going and moving forward. Don't throw the picture away. Don't give up on the fear that there's nothing on the film yet because you got to wait and allow it to process right now. And then, you, you know, I'm like, okay, well, whatever. So here it is. Oh, great. All I see is me. And I'm all alone in this blurry picture with this stupid face. So this is garbage, right? And you say, no. Blake, the promise is there. You just don't see it clearly yet. Are you believing that the goodness of God is meeting you in the process and will get the picture for your life and God's will for your life complete? You just gotta let the process happen. You're not alone. There's a whole group of people in the background. You're not alone. God is with you. You have everything you need because you guys were just a prayer. Four years ago, four years ago, it was me, Kelsey, our kids, and a couple family members. None of you existed yet. I mean, you existed, just not to me. Some of you are like, I'm having an existential crisis. (laughs) Do you believe that you're still in process? And are you settled on the fact that God is still developing you? in bringing the image of his will in your life into clarity. But there's some things that have to happen in this moment. And so you're going to say and look at this like, man, I'm not enough. Man, this is too much. I'm going to have to give up some things, man. I can't see where I'm going. I don't know the way to get there. So what do I do? This is taking too long to process, man. People must hate me because of what I'm doing. Because, man, let me just tell you something. Not a lot of people love pastors anymore. I'm all alone. I don't have what I need. And the Lord looks at me and you and says, do you believe in my goodness? And do you believe I have you in process? And do you believe I'm going to bring this all into clarity? You just need to continue to pursue. And so we have a gift for you today. 
when you guys leave out in the lobby, we have some people ready to take your picture. Ready to just, for you to stand there and just for a second get your picture taken. Don't worry, it's quick, right? It's still in process, but it's happening, right? And here's the deal. Every time you get scared of doing the will of God, every time you get fearful and these fears begin to enter your mind and your heart, I want you to put this Polaroid somewhere prominent in your life and you just go, oh, that's right. I'm just in the process. And God's goodness is here and it is present and it is pursuing me and it is before me and the picture is good and his will is good. I just need to keep going and I'm not going to allow fear to stop me in this moment because man, I'm still in process and thank God I'm still in process because if there's still process, there's still goodness coming.